0: Welcome back. You are listening to Creatrix Culture. I'm your host, Sarah Lottie, and I'm very excited today because this is the first time we actually have more of a round table of guests and some very powerful women are in the house. And today we are actually have a really um, interesting and exciting topic. We're going to talk about adoption and how this came to be is I realized like I have a lot of people surrounding me right now that are adopted and I didn't realize that. I just kind of organically came out, like people I didn't know um, were even adopted. And so I was, I started kind of looking uh, deeper into that because of, you know, in life, we attract people like attracts like. So I'm not adopted, but then I found it interesting having so many adopted people around me. I I started to dig into uh, how do I resonate with them? What do, what is it in me that, that vibrationally matches um, them? And, what was kind of discovered for me, which I thought was beautiful and interesting is the aspects of me. um, And I've talked about this on a podcast before, um, was when a couple of years ago, I was reading Mark Wolin's book, It Didn't Start With You, and it's about ancestral healing. And in the part of the book that really struck me very, very, very deeply was when I read about um, children that are born and don't have the initial contact with their mothers. And I was born without my lungs fully developed. So I was whisked away and put into an incubator for a while. So I didn't have that bonding with my mother. And then he listed a bunch of things of the characteristics and the traits and the the trials and tribulations that children that don't have that initial bonding, um, how that plays out in their life and their adult life. And I was like legitimately like bawling my eyes out, like checking off the boxes of how many things were resonated with me and then with these different relationships that i have in my life now um getting to know you ladies that are on here on the podcast today and some other people that are adopted how many similarities that we have um but then also because i'm with my parents and my parents are actually even still together so i don't even have a divorced parents like my similarities, yet my differences, because I did grow up in a home with my biological parents. So I just wanted to tell my little bit of the story. And then I wanted, like I, we were talking about here a little bit ago, I would love for you guys to each tell your story, like I said, as much as you feel comfortable with sharing, and just take it from there and have a really organic, beautiful conversation of the trials and tribulations of growing up adopted and how that's worked out positively in your life and negatively in your life and how you've all navigated it and are still navigating it. And then we'll just run with it. So Phoenix, since your face is on the screen right now, girl. Why my face, why is my face on the screen? I don't know. Is it I'm on like is her face, one? yeah, is Sorry. her face on the screen for you guys too? Is like the the face. No, no. Oh. See Morgan said Valerie. no. She said
1: yeah. no. So, so it's not me
0: first. Oh, you wanna go first? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, Whatever
1: is all good. So I'll just good. say
0: like in, in this lineup, which is so beautiful as well, is that, um, is that each one of them come from a completely di- a different, to this day, have a different adoption experience that Miko doesn't know. We have Miko Black, we have Morgan Auerbach and we have Phoenix Rising here with us just to introduce everyone. Um, that Miko doesn't, um, she hasn't met either of her biological parents Morgan has met her mother just as of recently, it was last year, right, Morgan, that you finally connected with her, and her father does not know she even exists, and then Phoenix, who has, you know, we'll hear part of her story today, but her story is a very long, beautiful, intricate um, story of she has now met both of her parents and um, so I, I love these different angles of where everyone's sitting at in the present moment of where they're at in their own personal adoption story and journey. So I think it's like really beautiful to have you all here with me. And I feel very honored to be a part of this topic and, um, mm-hmm. and you all yeah. saying yes to, to being vulnerable in this space to share this because I think it's going to impact a lot of um, people and um, maybe even give understanding to people that don't even know that they um, are affected by this on such deep, deep ways. So Phoenix, mm-hmm. I'm giving you the floor and you can take it away. Oh no. Because <laughs> you're already there. You're already yeah, on the floor.
1: Said, I'm, up, I'm on the floor. Thank you so much. I I, I uh, am honored as well to be here and to be uh, with my sisters who also have gone through you know this experience and of course as we all know as and i said this it was in my class the other day as a it's as annoying as it may sound we signed up for it
2: <laughs> like
1: what i mean i signed up for this this is crazy but in my discovery long long term lifetime discovery as to how i got in the different positions that i've gotten into why did I choose to, to come to actually be not with my biological family and go through the, go through all, all of the tribulations? And at the same time be highly grateful because mm. those of us who are adopted, it, it's, it's amazing, and I'm, we'll see you, you when you guys um, speak as well, that there's a great amount of gratitude as well as kind of like the uh, rescued pup. <laughs> syndrome that you're really happy that you've been adopted but there's this aching feeling that's a guilty feeling that you have that you want to swim upstream like the salmon back to mom oh here we go <laughs> we're already we're already done we're already crying bring the tissues up because it is and that that's a, that's probably one of the hardest things to deal with, it was very difficult for me because you're in so much gratitude. You're like, oh my God, here I am, I have a home. In my, in my world, I always hand it off to people who had less. You know, I'm not in a war-torn country. My family has not been blown up by a bomb. I have my legs, I have my limbs, I am grateful. My parents are here even though I'm going through some heavy head trips and my parents put me through some major brainwashing, not telling me I was adopted two white parents telling me I was white because it was more comfortable for them and they were ousted from the family because they adopted outside their race. They couldn't get the white kids, they tried to, but in my region and in my time, whatever it was, the white kids are more desirable and they cost more. Bottom line, I, I read all this in the court doc. The kids who are hard to adopt go to homes that are the less desirable don't have as much money, the parents of different religions. My father was much older. My mother was much younger, all this stuff. So they tried to get white children. When they couldn't, they stopped for a while and thought, "Now nah, we're not going to. And then my dad apparently gave with some brilliant idea and said, well, why don't we just get them? We'll just tell them they're white. And they did. They did just that. <laughs> they did exactly that. Only they brought us to a community that was very uneducated, that was all white. My father was Jewish. My mother uh, adopted, my mother is Catholic, which is why you got the less desirable kids. And I was brought into a home because the stipulation of my birth was I had to be raised by Jewish, in a Jewish home because my birth mother was Jewish. And she put me into a Jewish uh, adoption agency. I was in foster for a year and then adoption. So I get into this home and what ensued and I won't go through all of it back and forth between the, the conversations and just, you know, we will, uh, because there's so much for all of us to say that the trauma and bullying that I went through in school um, because we weren't white, but we couldn't go home to tell our parents what was really happening because the story they had fed us was they people, oh, why would you be getting beat up? I don't understand. Why are you being called niggers? Why is that happening? Why are you needing to leave school? And hence my brother who was adopted with me uh, was killed crossing the street to get the school bus. I was eight and he was nine. That's a whole other side story trauma in itself, but it had to do with the adoption because my brother was so traumatized that he would be teased once again, going to school by the kids, all the bullying, all this stuff because we were gonna be late when the bus went one way we could catch it the next way and be on time he panicked he just panicked because of the trauma that we went through and it was the adoption story trauma that we couldn't figure out you know because we're little it's like how do you how do you even negotiate that how do you do you just like you're you're traumatized you're in school you're doing these things they also put us in remedial classes because of course we weren't white so we were slower didn't work out i was like no but it happened because that's where we grew up now seriously had we had my parents said you know what we're gonna go 50 miles in this direction it would have been a totally different world but because my parents were hiding because of their adoption story and what they told us to make themselves feel comfortable that we were white like they were they decided to go to a white community not ever imagining that this would happen so the trauma of my brother passing and then me figuring out this whole thing and yet being grateful, grateful that I was rescued. I held this stuff and I held a large amount of guilt because I wanted to know. I wanted to know. I knew this was not something was wrong. You know, something was not right. And as I have grown and I have um, uh, put in place many practices, grew up in the country, way, way out, like podunk kind of country. And I had time for much self-discovery and time alone because we, it was, we I didn't have friends, we didn't go like none of that kind of stuff. It's like you were just really isolated and we were very isolated because of the school situation. It was actually a jewel in disguise because it forced me to go to the deepest depths of my soul to find out what the fuck was going on. And I did, you know, I found out and I found out that yes, in fact, <laughs> all of that, I actually had a soul agreement to come in and and experience every single bit of that. It took me a number of years. I didn't know that when I was little, I I felt it. I I held the essence of the knowingness of that. But of course it wasn't until years later, studying the deep spiritual studies and with shamans and mystery schools and hypnotherapy and all of the, the works, alchemy, putting myself really through the paces did I discover, I call it the diamonds under pressure because it's at this point When you have something so under so much pressure, you know, like a diamond, and when you finally unearth it, it's this gem. You just have to, our our trick as adopted people is to allow it to be the gem. Because it's hard to have, it's easy because it's in our body. I, I don't know if any of you have read or know The Body Keeps Score. It's an amazing book. And it talks about how these traumas are held in your body. And I had ulcers for years, bleeding ulcers, bleeding, skin itching, you know, lesions, like uh, so many different things. And it was all because I was upset, migraines constantly for weeks at a time, my whole life, you know, and so in a nutshell, that, uh, that bit of being so grateful, but then feeling guilty because then your parents who brought you up, you don't want to make them feel bad. and and that's something we have to always live with you don't and, and it carries itself into the rest of your life where you you don't want other people to feel bad because you're so used to embodying that because inside you is the aching thing of getting back to the mother because you just natural thing is you just want to go to your mother all the animals when you first are born when they're first born what do they do climb in the chest and they nurse climb in the chest and when you don't have that and it's a lifeline lifeline of weaving and weaving and weaving and weaving into that. uh, It's really crazy to unravel it, but we can. And yeah, so just that in a a brief nutshell for that guilt part, you guys, let me know. How are you feeling about that part, the guilt
0: and the parents? Feel free, anyone, you can jump in next if you would like. Yeah,
3: that... um... The guilt part is an interesting thing. How I relate to it with the guilt and the parents is also uh, just like a survival mechanism of like, oh fuck, the the whole not wanting to make them feel bad and the guilt is like survival mechanism of like, oh, I can't get abandoned again. Like I can't be rejected again, I'll die. And so it's like this deep, deep, deep primal unconscious aspect that shows up as kind of like a fawning response. Um,
1: fawning response. Yeah. That's beautifully put. Beautifully put. Yes. Yeah, yeah. technique that yeah. You don't want to be abandoned again. You don't even know you're doing it.
3: Yeah, totally. Because it's so deep. It's happened. I mean, for most of us, like, you know, a lot of like yours happened within the first year of your life. And, you know, and you were in foster care right away, like my adoption was pre-set up. And so, yeah, day of like, it's all so pre-verbal it's all, you know, it's all just so deep in there and. Yeah and then like you said like we have to go through the process of just like unwinding it all and getting getting back to ourselves basically <laughs> like getting back yeah. to our soul underneath all of that trauma and
1: conditioning and is that what's held you back or has from from meeting your parents cuz i know you haven't met either of them is there something holding you back or what what is it
3: that's a great question. So, um, yeah, I can share my story and answer that yeah. question at the same Thank time. You. Yeah, so the uh, like I said, my my adoption was set up ahead of time. Um, my birth mother, I know I know a little bit about about it, so my birth mother was from Mexico, and she had already had a baby out of wedlock. Um, so I have an older brother who might be about two years older than me or so, And I think she was twenty one when she had me. So she came to the United States. Um, I think it I think she might have been here um, undocumented and was working to send money back to Mexico to support my brother. And she got pregnant again with me. And I think part part of the part of her giving me up for adoption, she actually, was thinking about having a, an abortion and her aunt, um, cause their family was religious. Her aunt talked her out of it, talked her into adoption. So then she was looking for a family who was, um, religious and my adoptive parents are white and Christian. And, um, she said that was important. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure she was Catholic. I'm pretty sure my birth mother was Catholic, but she wanted, you know, some kind of like some kind of connection there with, um, that vein of right. of faith right. and and so then yeah i was born and i think she might she did get to hold me so i did get that experience of being mm. held which not everyone gets mm. to have that and then then i was you know taken with my adoptive family and even just the fact that like taken like that's such yeah. a like <laughs> that felt like even you know it just felt like it was coming from a deeper different part of me like that that that's how the that part you know that there is one in me who that's what it feels like oh you stole me like you took me from my mother I did not I did not consent to that
1: and um, right. no because it, it, it's totally that taken thing that you say the taken yeah it's like, yeah. such a wound It's 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 uh so you're living post-traumatic stress like the rest of your life because you've taken you actually are kidnapped yeah all you know is kidnapping isn't in in process and that happened
0: so deep and like i have chills right now because it's like i never even looked at that from that angle but i could see how your little you know that that essence of yeah, like you don't no. know. you don't it's know what's full, going on on. You full on kidnapping. Full on kidnapping
1: taking. It's like crime wow. against humanity situation yeah. going on. Like mother is ripped out. Like Ooh. madre is like what the yeah. fuck exactly? Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Continue. Beauty. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's it's such. Yeah, it's such a deep primal thing again because it that's like that's the. Sh- the mother is the only one that you know, you've been inside of her for nine months. And then all of a sudden, like, she's gone and your whole body is like, I need that. This is the person to survive on this earth. And, and she's there and there's nothing you can do about it. And yeah, so that for me, there's, you know, I, you were speaking of of gratitude. And I haven't uh, yeah, it's I wouldn't say that I have that relationship with with my adoption. I'm still working out so many layers of anger and like mm. so much of it being just deeply suppressed anger. Um, because you know, I being raised, adopted in a white world, look like luckily I didn't get lied to about my heritage. Like it's very obvious that I was a different color from um from my parents and from my adoptive parents, and when we were younger, there we lived in more diverse area. But then, around age eight or so, we moved to Bakersfield, and was in very like white suburban um, for for the rest of my childhood up until I graduated college. And then I just kept kind of kept that going because it was the area that I was comfortably uncomfortable just being around just white people everywhere and not having any connection to, or a sense of my own racial identity. Um, yeah. And and I'm, that's a whole other topic, I'm sure. That's a whole
1: other that. topic, but it's a huge yeah. topic in terms of adoption. When people yeah, transracial adopt adoption. It's,
3: yeah. It's, it's big
1: because usually the people who adopt are not trained up in that area. Like, you have to expose kids to, you have to have Latin friends, (laughs) people, you got to be in areas, (laughs) like, and that's not, that's a whole other thing. Yes, it's a whole other entire layer. And it's more of the subjugation that you go through because you're, again, what you just said in the beginning, you're just trying to survive. And that is ingrained in you so much as a child that when these other things come up that are racial on top of it and, and taking the culture you keep doing it. Like you said, you just kept going because that's where you live and you keep going, but then you're never in touch with your root.
3: Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's one of the biggest crimes. And I feel like it's a, there's so much unknown about adoption because I mean, there's so many different aspects that you could look at it from of just um, like economic privilege and racial privilege and all of these different things that go into adoption. And, there's the, and that's why I brought up the kind of gratitude piece because there's the story around adoption of like, oh, adoptees should be grateful that they got yeah, adopted. Right. And, we and we're supposed to be grateful for our trauma, basically. Like we're being told, like, hey, be grateful for the worst fucking thing that ever happened to you in your whole entire life. Whoa. And, and, like, Tina's like, <laughs> calling that
1: Tina angry I'm a loose. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my.
3: laughs> yeah. And it's it's a mind fuck. It's a mind fuck, especially for for a child, you know, for a child to like who's having all of this like unresolved trauma. No one's acknowledging that trauma has happened. And we're we're trying to internally like make sense of what the fuck is going on. What, what
1: you just and, said is so huge. It's like nobody, everybody celebrates the adoption. Yeah. But nobody recognizes the trauma.
3: It's yeah. that is
1: so po- important. You're everybody celebrating. Yeah, because, and you are, you're like, yes, I did. I'm not on the <laughs> fucking street. This is good. <laughs> but nobody recognizes that other part they want to just brush it under and it's like everything is all good we're moving on and everything's fine and you're like but nothing is fine inside me yeah nothing is fine
3: okay continue yeah and it 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 harms the child the most like that's that's who bears the brunt of that um, incomplete story of adoption and the the story that, and that's, that's our cultural story that we have around adoption and white saviorhood gets put into that. And, you know, in my BIPOC adoptees group, there was like 20 people and w- only one of them did not have white adoptive parents. All the mm-hmm. rest were white adoptive parents. And so it's like, there's so many different layers and, but I'm going to bring it back to my own story in that, you know, just decide, like there, is, there is truth in that gratitude piece though, too, of like coming back around. And I was talking with a teacher of mine, who's aware that I've been going through this like trauma healing journey around my adoption and was saying, like, I just recently found out that my adoptive mother um, got diagnosed with dementia. And that's mm. like deeply terrifying for me. Like the first time she went to the hospital and almost died when I was about 10 years ago. Like it sent me into, the, I, I didn't realize like all of the layers that I know now around trauma and healing and all of the things. And it sent like, I, like, I, it sent me to, into a full on like CPTSD in my life. And, and this is your
1: adopted mom. Right?
3: Yeah. My adopted yeah. mom. And, right, right. Um, and I'll come back around and answer your question. Cause I'm just remembering about that. But anyways. Um, yeah. And so like, I just realized wow I only have so much time left with my adoptive mom if I'm going to like really show up to that relationship and be myself and like use use that time period I'm going to have to like really reconcile inside of myself the parts of me that are so fucking angry and the part of me that did not want to be her daughter that wanted my birth mother but also like you said like from a larger perspective like in order for me to get my agency back and like my sense of Of choice and power, because like going back to that moment of like being taken, like that's like complete lack of agency, complete lack of power, helplessness. And for me to like reclaim that in myself as a whole being, like I have to have a larger view of like spiritually, some part, you know, I could go into a Buddhist view of like it was my karma, like I got pulled towards that because of the choices I had made in a past life, or I made a soul contract, or however you want to see it, but to have a larger view of like on some level, I had choice. And there's something here for me to learn. And there's something here for me to grow from. And, and to hold like, yes, trauma was there and to like acknowledge the trauma, but also not let that be the whole story. Like it's, it's such a, such a deep journey. And part of why I haven't looked for my birth mother, I actually did begin looking for my birth mother and it started triggering us. It started the CPTSD again. And I like had to drop out of school because I I started, Mm -hmm. um, I was in a feminist theories class and I chose to do one of my research papers on adoption. And that I just started having so many CPTSD symptoms come up. I started having suicidal ideation and I was just like, Oh fuck, I have to deal with, I have to deal with this before I go down this road. So I didn't, I didn't know if what was going to happen if I found her, like I needed to, I felt like I needed to be prepared that, you know, that she might not want to talk to me, that that might be bring up trauma. And I needed to be able to like hold myself through that. And so I, um, I stopped searching and started like getting really focused on healing trauma and really like, and becoming whole in myself. And yeah, I feel like that's also a lifelong journey. And I've, I'm starting to feel again, like in the past year or so, like, okay, it might be time to start opening up to searching and or being found again. I've, I've had uh, multiple healers tell me, I, I feel, I have this feeling like your mother's searching for you. And I have that feeling too. And I feel like there's also something in me that needs to be a yes to that like that I have to I have to be open and be ready for that. And so that's kind of where where I'm at as I'm getting closer and closer to to that aspect. But I'm also just in such a deep journey with myself of of, yeah, just reclaiming my own power and agency and who I am Mm -hmm. and getting to know the unknown parts of myself that Mm -hmm. have been, you know, unknown to me even and um, and claiming my racial identity and all the things. So yeah. yeah it's
1: well, like you know such, what you said there too. That you feel so intense. The mother is searching. You feel like you know some healer is telling you, "Sorry, <laughs> guess what? The mother is always searching for you." But the, the, this is just this is this is this is the 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 super conscious understanding of everything. The mother is always searching for you. I, I mean that that's just that's mm. bottom and and you need to i would say and we have and i'm morgan i'm feeling you up there girl i'm feeling you um uh i have such a similar my mother who adopted me passed of dementia that went to alzheimer's two years mm. ago and we were not close she told the story she fought the story literally i mean i could go on and on and how she kept with her story like literally my mom Like like when I found my birth parents, my, my, who I found out who I was, I actually found my birth certificate. Uh, It was, it's it's a whole other story. But when I got my birth certificate, they had hid it from me uh, the whole time in their files. And I had found it much uh, completely apart from them. And they didn't talk to me for over a year because I had found it, that they were just angry and because it would ruin their story. When my mom passed, the same exact thing that you said when she was passing, I knew that if I didn't do something, I would, I'm destined to repeat this horror in the next life, to make peace with her before she forgets. And I want to tell you something. This is in my, I do uh, adoption uh, trauma. I mean, I'm a, a, a coach and all that stuff, all, all those things. But specifically because I've been through this in many aspects of it, I know how to deal with it. It's not from a book right? <laughs> I did it. That same thing that you are going to do, you have to do is to make that peace, get that agency back, like you said. And my mom, I want to tell you something. It took her about two years to pass. And I actually taught her how to breathe herself out of her body and not go through the full hell mm-hmm. of the Alzheimer's because it was getting bad. We actually, I, I gave up what I couldn't give up, which was being angry that I was taken, being angry because I actually couldn't feel the touch of her, which is really, you know, every time she said, when you were a little kid, when you were, when you were sick or throwing up, I would try to comfort you and put my hand on your back and you'd always be like, no, i close the door. I got it. And I'm like, and of course that leads you into your life. And it's just, and I wasn't trying to be mean because I'm not I'm a very compassionate, loving person. I'm hugging and kissing, but the touch of her because of the story she was telling and because And I didn't know, but I could feel it in her body. I recognized it as a threat and I I couldn't be comforted by it. I stripped all that away two years ago and I said, fuck this. I am not going to do this anymore. I made the first step. And when I made the first step, I can't begin to tell you, oh my gosh, she opened and I felt the love of a mother from her that I had never felt my entire lifetime. And she felt the love of a daughter from me that she had never felt. And it healed us it healed us and i spent a year missing her and i never missed her my whole life not one day i was close to my father i was never close to my mom and we healed each other and i missed her so much and it wasn't because oh now she's passing it's because i did that thing that we don't dare as adoptees do is we just give it up because it's not their fault they know not right they know not what they do they don't know you know they're trying their best as angry as we are they're trying their best and yeah I miss my mom today she's helping me a lot but she couldn't help me before you know and she knew and she apologized for things like we went through the whole thing the ratio everything and she was like and and it was so interesting because as she was going through the dimension and forgetting I do I do hands-on healing and when I would put my hands on her heart she would be completely lucid and start talking and we would talk about these things that in a lifetime I never thought we would talk about. And we did on the deepest level. And it healed us. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. But to get to that journey, it took a lifetime. So interesting, you going through the dementia, Morgan. Where are you at, girl? Where are you at? Where are you at?
2: I'm I'm mostly just listening and, and thinking about how my story relates to your stories and how my story is different. Um <laughs> I mean, I, I do have a very different story and in a lot of ways, you know, the emotional aspects are all the same. Um, but I, I mean, I've always known that I was adopted. I, you know, came home from the play yard with, you know, the the other kids talking about I came from my mommy's tummy. I came from my mommy's tummy. So came home, asked, you know, did I come from your tummy? And, um, my parents were like, well, um, you know, and they, they told me the whole story. And so I've always known, but at the same time, it like, I'm, I'm clearly white and I was adopted into a white family and, um, I quote unquote fit into my family. Um, my mother has also said like upon meeting my birth mother that she she said, oh, she fits in our family. Like she she looks like she could be part of the family. So I sort of grew up being part of the family, but not, you know, being in it, but on the outside at the same time, being treated like I was part of the, you know, and, and you know, my mother said that she would forget that I was adopted or, you know, uh, the family members would forget that this was a part of my identity. And so it kind of just got mm-hmm. swept under, the rug, and so it wasn't really, it wasn't a factor in my life. Well, it was a factor, but it it wasn't a, it didn't take a front seat. It took a back seat in my entire life. I pushed it to the side. It didn't matter. It wasn't going to drive my decisions. It wasn't going to be, you know, an important part of my life. But unfortunately, it's a huge part of my life. You know, I uh, I was adopted at birth. Um, my birth mother, uh, after speaking with her, she told me that she, when she found out she was pregnant, she always, she was guided to, um, have me give me up for adoption. She knew this was the path that she needed to take, that this is the path, you know, for us. And, um, it, it, it this was, you know, meant to happen. I've, you know, had a very blessed life. I grew up in, you know, uh, relative affluence and, and, you know, it's, It it has been a blessing, um, but it also, I feel like I've been in disguise, you know, like I have this whole other aspect of my life that has never been shown the light. It's always been pushed back and pushed back. And finally in college, I decided that I, I intellectually was, was, you know, scientifically interested in, you know, what my genealogy was and, you know, who my birth mother was. So I found her name. I did some internet research. I found her on Facebook and then I stalked her for the next 10 years. And I didn't reach out to her. Uh, and then finally during quarantine, like in the beginnings of the world going insane, I apparently went insane as well. And <laughs> well, or went sane, I guess was the more accurate but I liked a post of hers that's all I did and she immediately when she saw it sent me a message saying oh my god you know it's so nice to see to hear from you like you you know, I'm so excited that you reached out and I didn't reach out. I liked a post. I, I, for some reason I was like, you know, she's not gonna notice. she's not gonna know who, who I am. Like, it's just gonna be a random person liking a post. Of course she knew who I was. Um, and yeah, speaking, it's interesting around the same time, she had conversations with a friend and her friend found me on Facebook and she actually knew who I was. But she didn't reach out because she wanted to give me the reins. And uh, I mean, she did. And it, it was just, it's, it's, it's interesting that we both sort of had knowledge of each other around the same time. And I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, she, yeah, know, I completely, you are basically talking about the whole Facebook thing, the, your mom's friend um, giving you the reins of, I think, just you guys and, like, you liking her um, post of how you guys kind of connected then. Is that where you're kind of headed?
2: I I was going to – something that you you all were talking about brought up something else that I wanted to say.
0: Um, I, well, I love that – while
1: you're thinking about it, I love the, the – uh, what you said, but I didn't reach out to her. Like, yeah, but you did.
0: (laughs) You you totally did. I was kind of laughing over here. Like "Mm -hmm."
1: Like, mom, mom, see, that's the thing about the universal mother, the mother always knows. And it's like, Oh my God, that we're always so connected. That's the, you know, the salmon swimming upstream It's like, we cannot help ourselves for that mother connection is like our root. We just, it's always going to be there no matter how we get taken, you know? And, and an interesting point, and interrupt me when you think of it, just go, ah, and just kick me off. Um, But the, yes, the point is so interesting about blending in, because here, you know, we're out here, like, you know, not blending and having all these other issues. You're there blending in and it creates even more. And maybe this is where it is that the adoption is celebrated, but the other...
2: So I, I was struck with, um, you know, your comment about having that guilt, having that guilt of, you know, being adopted and, and, you know, needing to feel blessed for it. But, you know, I, my version was more feeling like I needed to take care of other people's emotional well-being before myself. Yeah. So, you know, making sure that, you know, my my mother was okay, uh, my adoptive mother, you know, that she's, her well-being was taken care of. And I mean, there's other issues with that as well in terms of emotional stuff, because she went through her own journey and, you know, our dynamic because of that. But, you know, I, when reaching out to my birth mother, I... part of the reason I didn't want to is because I saw that she had a family. She had adopted her own son and, um, you know, she had a life. She, you know, she, I didn't want to disrupt that. I didn't, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't some sort of dramatic, you know, intervention into her life of like, well, here I am. And, you know, that kind of segues too into, um, my birth father, um, you know, my, my uh, bio mom, she told me that, um, she never told him that I existed and that he was a little bit weird about relationships. I don't necessarily know, you know, the details of what that means, but, you know, he, he also has his own family. He has, you know, a, a toddler and an infant and he, you know, has his own family and his own business. And, you know, he's also has a life, but he has a life where he doesn't know that he has had a daughter for 32 years. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I'm struck with the fact that, you know, if I was in the same position, not that I could be, but <laughs> if I was in the same position, I I would be upset that I did not have the opportunity to know this person that I made, you know, yeah. I, I would want to know who this person was and I but I too feel in my position is it my place to tell him? Yes, I think it's her <laughs> to tell him. Yes, it is. It is. But it I is. think you know. I think she should have told him. I think mm-hmm. it was her. You know, her responsibility to tell him that she birthed his child and gave that child up. And you know, but now I'm in the position of well, this is really gonna rock this person's world. Uh, you know. And how is this person going to take it? And what do I do? What is the next step? You know, is there a real, like, you know, deep reason why she never told him? I don't think that's the case. But, you know, was there some trauma in their relationship? You know, was the conception not kosher? You know, was there something surrounding it that is more traumatic for her to deal with? And I I don't think that's necessarily the case. That's not my feeling and not, you know, what I experience you know talking with her but i did ask her why didn't you tell him and she never responded so um and i you know i have never i've never met her in person um so there's also that sort of element in my story of you know i still am missing this you know emotional component of that biological connection because i've never you know i i'm detached from from her i have a, a huge detachment from my life with her. And, you know, because I, you know, I I don't know if I'm personally detaching myself or if, you know, it's it's hard to detach or hard to attach to somebody, you know, that you're chatting on a screen or, you know, talking on the phone. It's, it's yeah. I mean,
1: Well, I'm about to tell you something, both of you who haven't in going from your position to where I am having met, That is so mind-blowing, was so mind-blowing for me. And Sarah, you and I have talked about this. Makes a lot of sense, but you never talk, you never think about it because you only know what you know. And there's a small part of me that almost goes, maybe I don't want to tell you this because you're going to experience it, but I think it's Mm -hmm. good because it may propel you to do, to meet. And when I first met my mother, I saw her and I hugged her. And what the most profound thing was her smell her smell. I remembered it. And I didn't know growing up the whole entire time that I was void of a smell. I knew there was all the other issues, right? But I didn't realize that on that base level, and it was her smell, and I just broke down because I was like, that's what I've been missing. The biological connection, her smell. It was mine. But I never smell anybody that smelled like me ever you know I just and I didn't go around you know of course we don't we go you don't smell like, we're not doing that and we don't even know what we know until we know what we know we know what we know and I had no idea that it would be that moment that was the clincher I was like oh
2: I actually had a similar experience um you know while I was in college I would every so often check back in on my birth mother's Facebook page and I could see her nieces on Facebook, all of it. You know, occasionally I would just look and, you know, my entire life, I, I I never knew anyone that had any physical features that were the same, you know? Yeah. I'm blonde and a lot of my family members are blonde and, you know, we vaguely kind of sort of look like each other, but not exact features and Mm. growing up I would always pick out if I saw family members I'm like oh you guys have this oh you like for everyone else but never for me and I one day was just on I think her niece's page and she had posted a picture of herself where it was close up on her face and her bright eyes and I just Mm. I broke down because I was like those are my eyes yeah, you know, I have awesome. never seen my eyes before, you know, and, and, you know, I went back to her page and, you know, hers was, it wasn't as obvious. And I looked and I was like, those are my eyes. You know, I, I have the same eyes and I just, I, I started crying and just, it was that oh. moment for me of like, oh my God, this is the, this is the thing. This is what it's like, you know, because we don't have a concept of growing up, what it's like to be with people.
1: That's why you always feel on the outside. You don't really realize that you're always kind of on the outside, but you don't, you're always kind of, there's a shroud and you don't know what you're trying to get inside. And you see families together and they're like, oh, it's the family and the brothers and sisters and everybody. And you don't feel that way. You're always on the outside because, and you don't want to be though. That's the thing. It's not like you're trying to be no, but and, and you can't integrate. It's like you're trying to integrate, but you can't integrate on that base family level. And that's because of
3: the biological resonance. Yeah. There's that biological yes. resonance that's yes. missing that, like, we need, like, our bodies need in order to feel like we belong on this earth. Like, that's part mm. of, and so many people take that for granted because they have, whether they fucking hate their families or, you know, whatever, But <laughs> like, there's still that, like, very primal biological resonance of Mm -hmm. like oh i there are people in this world that mirror me and that gives my brain that tells my brain that i belong here yeah and we don't get that what's so
0: strange about that coming from like my story is i don't really look like anyone in my family (laughs) then finally like maybe you were adopted no I yelled at my mother once when I was 16 I was just angry I was so angry I was angry 16 year old and I'm like I'm adopted I just know I am you can finally tell me and then she starts crying she's like no I had you you know um but I'm like I'm nothing like you people um so it's like it's weird it's interesting like I I say even like there's a lot of babies that are like the the babies of the family that are like the babies of the family and they get all this attention and all this stuff and like. I wasn't, it was like my brother got all the attention being like the older one, like not, I wasn't doted on as the baby. I didn't have the baby thing. And like, for me, I always felt like I didn't belong. And like, I felt like this whole family had started without me. And I'm just like this weird, awkward thing that like came in. And I don't know where that resides for me and all the things, but it's like, that's where I resonate with you all too. It's on a different level, but I Mm -hmm. also grew up not feeling like I belonged. And and I and, and there was something that was said earlier. Um, I think Phoenix was talking about or Miko, maybe it was you. Of just I, I, it's like I'm mad at my mom deep down that she like that. You know, like I didn't realize why am I so mad at my mom? Phoenix and I covered a lot of it when we did a healing together um, a couple of weeks ago. But I, I was I think I feel like I was mad at her that I didn't get nurtured in a certain way right away with not knowing. And I've just always had this like anger and I'm like, I beat myself up for it. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'd literally be like, okay, you're gonna go see your mom. Now be nice this time. Don't be bitchy, you know? And then one thing would happen and then i would snapped the fuck off, right? Just right. And then I would leave and I'm like, you're horrible. Like what if she passed away and you're a horrible daughter? And like all this just stuff, right? And like, I think I'm like, I've just, I've been mad at her that I didn't get that initial nurturing. And then for some reason that I don't know what piece that plays in the whole spectrum, but like that I was brought into this family. I didn't feel like I was a part of ever. I just felt like I was just thrown to the side, like thrown into the corner. well,
1: Sarah, you know what girl? that that's a that's a galactic topic
0: i know i know know. (laughs)
1: because because when you have alien dna yeah yeah, you're not from the family but then they birth you anyway is a whole other form of adoption and i have that on top of that more 3d just so you well but you can't because you have the resonance and yet you don't you have like what nico was saying it's like no you have the, the the resonance but guess what this is some other thing. This is like this is when your yeah. star beings come down and you go through the portals <laughs> because you're just coming here to the ascension next... of humanity. We'll go into that because that's top be our of the next, whole adoption. Uh,
0: we'll all come back for like round two of like the galactic <laughs> meaning of all of this. The, gal-
1: the galactic adoption. Our galactic
0: <laughs> <laughs> families and choices and contracts and yeah. The, hybr-
1: the hybrids. This the hybrids.
0: actually has nothing to do with adoption, you guys. It's all that we're galactic beings and we just. can't in (laughs) different ways. And it just happens to be some 3D labels put onto it. And we're just crying over it because we want to be dramatic,
1: right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Because it's a good topic. It's a great topic.
0: It's a great topic. topic.
3: It does make me curious though, too, about like the piece that you were saying, because I hear you using this language of you were just thrown aside and you literally were you were literally thrown into an incubator away from your mother like and it also makes me wonder about like that piece of belonging that's just like that comes from the connection with the mother of just like getting to actually bond with the mother because you didn't have that and so I also wonder like how much of that aspect of what you went through which is very similar to adoption that leads to that piece of um not having a sense
1: of belonging. Um, They say that's a huge aspect, actually, Sarah, because they've been studies about that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There's a huge aspect, because there's a lot of studies about incubator kids. It's the same when you have the primal wound, you know, that wound. It's the primal wound, yeah. yeah. Did you read that? Yeah. 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 I haven't had time
0: to read it yet. Miko just told me about it the other day. I got it, and, like, I got it from Barnes & Noble, walked down the street and grabbed it, but I had not had time to uh, sit down and read it, but I also wanted to show it for the watchers and tell it to the listeners is um and I was going to cover this later but since you guys just brought it up here's the book Adopt- I was going to
1: bring it mine out from my uh, library my mm-hmm. when when I met my uh about a two weeks after I met my biological mom she gave me that book wow because she saw me oh wow and she said you you're going to need to read this and I was like oh cool I'm good I'm reading it and I'm at the gym on the stair climber and I'm like Doo, do, 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 "Do reading the book <laughs> oh this is going to be a good gym read you know before audible really good gym read Boo boo boo, and I stopped that stair climber. I got into those chapters, and I was like, I, I could not. It took me probably six months to get through that book because it was yeah. so profound. I, I cried through the entire book, the entire thing. yeah, the entire thing. And I had recommended it and given it to so many people.
3: So I have- yeah, and I had a client who was an adoptee, and she recommended that book to me because um, we started talking, and she knew I was adopted. She's like, "You got to read this book," and I, and that was really actually. It happened a couple of years after my mom had almost, my adopted mom had almost died. And I didn't even know I had been going through all of this trauma, but I knew something was off. And like, I was like, yeah, there was a lot of things happening in my life that were very intense and I knew something was off. And then I started reading that book and I read it and like. I read it in like two days, and I, yeah, I cried through the whole thing. And okay. then I feel like my whole the last ten years have just been a journey of unraveling what, what was realized through reading.
2: No, that, and that book. Of
1: like that, that book. Yeah. That book. Morgan, have you read that book?
3: I
2: have not yet. No. Oh
1: boy. It's it really on my is. list.
0: <laughs> now on um, my list. It's right across yeah. the street. It's not even across the street. It's across the walkway for you, Miko. Morgan's <laughs> my <by laughs> neighbor, so yeah. Um, yeah, she. You can borrow it any time. What I wanted to say about what I, there's two things about this. One is um, just listening to you guys and and your processes and your, in your healings and the journey of it. And um, I, I, like, I'm seeing that. And for people listening or watching that are adopted or have adopted children or are, you know, in adopted relationship or friends is like, this seems for you all is is kind of a never ending healing journey and discovery and and just a, a process, a continual process as you keep unpacking and and you know going through all the different layers. And it, I'm I'm learning now, and maybe that's why a part of the reason why you know like attracts like, why all you beautiful people are surrounding me as well in into in in a in a constant like reminder as well of. Um, I did like, uh, I did family constellations for my traumatic birth. And I did some somatic embodiment healing surrounding that. And then I quit because I just couldn't afford it anymore at the time. Um, And then I just kind of wandered on in life. And to be honest, it wasn't the end all be all for me. And I didn't think it was, but I just kind of like I said, I abandoned it for financial reasons at the time. But what kind of like, with so Phoenix and myself and Miko, Morgan, you know all about this, we're in, in flower groups, we're in sacred economy groups, and I'm in one with Miko in one lineage, and I'm with Phoenix in another lineage, and on am both lineages on the same exact week. Family constellations and ancestry and, oh, right. and adoption all came up on the same week at the same time, which was uh-huh. mind-blowing because no one's connected with anyone, right? Me, I guess me. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> la 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 (laughs) jokes on you you're the connection (laughs) but but then because of the conversation my guides started telling me you have more work to do honey you're not done your 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 birth trauma isn't done yet and then that takes me back to and you heard about this miko and more you actually have all heard the story so this is for the listeners Uh, a couple weeks ago i went to Ohi to cash in on a tarot reading that my friend had gifted me at the beginning of 2020. And because everything closed down, I couldn't. So we made a trip to Ojai for this tarot reading. And on the way, I'm actually talking about the flowers and I'm like, things are just stuck in my life and I don't understand. And I feel like if I just sit down and tune in, I'm gonna get the messages of how we can unstuck the things that are stuck, right? And then I sit down with this tarot reader, not even like 30 minutes later. And she's like, okay, so what I see here is that the trauma from your birth is literally holding you, back, you know and it's like, and then she's like, and also you have one of two paths. If you don't heal it right now, it is in your field. It is going to start to, if you don't do the extra healing, which I'm never opposed to healing. I am like love growth and healing and all the things always. So it wasn't something I was like pushing away because I was scared of it. I just forgot I couldn't afford it anymore. And then I just forgot, like it just, I moved on. And so everyone's reminding me. And I feel like that's why those conversations started to come up. Hey girl, you still have some work to do some deep ass work. That's why this is coming up. And if you don't, she was saying it could start forming in my body as a physical ailment. I could be pulling in some sort of, you know, having it manifest within me on another Way. So then I was talking to Phoenix about it, and we, you know, did our really deep work together. Like, thank you for bringing me to yourself so quickly Mm -hmm. to not let us have a gap of time to, you know what I mean? That I'm back in it. And that's why I felt so compelled to do this podcast right now, too, with you all, because just in my story of the incubator kids, which I would love for you to expand on that if you know more about that, Phoenix. Um, But that this, like, you know, you guys were talking about like the unawareness. I feel like, you know, maybe there's an anger in that too in me of like my family, no one recognized being taken away of of a deep trauma and everyone's same thing, like going on with their lives. And I'm over here as a young child, having all these fears and darknesses and, and, and all this crazy stuff. And it was just never was a thing. I was never, you know, like, how do you know if you don't know, right? And then another thing I wanted to say, before I would love for y'all to carry on is, is just my connection with Morgan. And like I said, I was reading the Mark Wolin book and all this stuff came to me. And I'm like, then that's when a friend told me about Family Constellations. I jumped in that right away. I jumped in the Somatic Embodiment Healing. And, you know, her and I were new friends at the time. And I was seeing, I'm just, I'm not gonna go into detail for you, Morgan, cause it's not my place, but I was seeing a path of destruction in her life. And it was a very big path of destruction. And <laughs> because she lives like literally across from me. It was very hard for me to witness and to not as a friend and a new friend and someone who is is has been a very long path of self-development, self-growth and spirituality and everything. I was like, there was a moment I didn't know if I could even like kind of continue a friendship because it was like it I, I just it was too hard to like watch the I'm sorry, I never told you that. Um, But it was too hard to watch the train go so fast down the wrong track. And I knew I was giving you nuggets to kind of try to steer you, but you were so in what you, you know, in your choices. And, and then finally, I literally said to her one day, you know, I was like, I think you need to check out this healing um, that I just did. I can't speak enough about it. And like, you know, around your adoption. And she legitimately said to me at the time was, that she had, oh, I've already done the healing around it and I'm fine and it doesn't, I don't need it and I'm good. And I'm like, yeah, right, you're good. Like, <laughs> see what you're doing every week, like, I'm not right. be on this podcast, but honey, you are not good. Okay. And if not, <laughs> My choices in life are not good and I was just put in the incubator and I'm watching your choices in life are not good and you're adopted and you've done a minimal amount of healing around that. And that's what I just wanted to bring up to uh, of listening <laughs> to all of you today and hearing your journeys It's like, and to relay that to people, like all of this kind of you have to understand. It's like what I'm witnessing in this is it's it, it doesn't go with one healing, right? It doesn't go yeah. with one thing. It's no, and I love Morgan that you jumped and it's so beautiful to watch like as your friend and like, I'm actually going to get teary eyed. Like I've watched this girl blossom and like take the reins on her life and, and see her dramatically shift it for her own good and her, for her own health and for her own, you know, healing and that she jumped into it and, you know, and then we both kind of went away from it for what our own personal reasons. But I think that's just because we got that healing, what we needed. And now it's, for both of us, another layer or another level of healing, another style, another angle. Right.
2: But- well, I, I mean, I stopped, um, so, cause I, I did the same, same therapy. So I, I stopped because she was only offering zoom sessions. And for me, I, you know, for During the pandemic, she shut down. Yeah. The pandemic. Yeah. So she was only, she was not doing in person. And for me that it, it, I did, when I, um, reached out to my, my birth mother, I did reach out to her and we did do a, um, zoom session, which was really helpful. But at the same time, like I would like to do, you know, bigger and better things, but, um, yeah. And I, since I have stopped seeing her, I entered into a relationship and, I thought I was, I had healed a lot of it. And I thought that, you know, there was some things that I didn't think of that that were going to become issues until I entered into this relationship. Mm-hmm. And he would say things to me and I would get really hurt. And I had to stop and not react and think to myself, is it something that he is saying that is actually a problem for me? Or is this my abandonment issues? Is this my my trauma coming out? Am I just feeling rejected? Because I am so quick to feeling rejected. Like I I didn't even realize that I am so easily rejected or I feel so easily that feeling. And um so it it's definitely pushed me to continue working on that part because it's it's definitely not not well it's, we're never finished, but
1: it's so it's comes not, out in those relationships, yeah. like you said, our yeah. rejection, but then do you find yourself like you're rejected? Or something just in a daily thing, something can happen, and then.
0: Hold on. Okay, I'm recording again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just sharing that. um, That even just in this year, like I, so I went to Taos. I from November to January, I just moved to Taos. I just I came here. I fell in love with the land. I was like, I need to be there. I got a sublet. I basically did kind of like a meditation retreat for winter. And then I went back to California and was visiting um, some of my best friends slash chosen family. And I remember leaving there being very aware of like the ways that I was shut down and the ways that they were like available for love and intimacy that I was not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just like, and I remember telling my woman circle, like feeling like I was just like a child, kind of like hiding in the corner and just uh, like seeing love and feeling so separate from it. Mm-hmm. And like that it wasn't available for me. Like there was this whole story going on that I was replaying. And then even just recently, I, um, I'm i in a play portal on Facebook, which is we're just diving into like the spirit of play and unraveling any things we have around um, being able to like be playful. And yesterday I was in this really beautiful sacred cave waterfall here in Taos. And
1: we're coming um, to visit you by the way.
3: Yeah, <laughs> please do. It's so we're coming. <laughs> and I was just in that inquiry around play and feeling like how as a child, like I I didn't fully let myself show up to play and like fully surrender to play because I had so much grief and sadness that, and I felt like I, that I couldn't bring that, like, I didn't want to be abandoned and rejected again. And so like, there's one in me who's really playful, but it's also part of like, it's not fully me. Like, it's like, I'm kind of there and being playful, but then I feel the part of me that is like holding back. And, um, and even just in a relationship that I'm, that I'm like exploring right now, I, I named that of just like, wow, I feel like kind of absent like i'm here but i'm not here and mm. so i'm just kind of seeing that in in my different relationships in my life of that having awareness of of that it's gonna have to be something that i cultivate of like consciously like op- yeah. opening and and making space for whatever grief and sadness and things need to move through and even today i brought it up in my women's circle and i was i was crying a little bit and she was like yeah in your sharing your grief around it, I actually felt closer to you. Like it actually, that's part of what makes that intimacy of like when you bring your full self and there's so much fear around bringing my full self. Cause like, what if I am my full self and I'm rejected? And then that means that the fear that I've had my whole life, there is really something fucking wrong with me. That's why my mother didn't want me. I'm bad. I'm blah, blah, blah. You know, just the, the stories that the mind has created and, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's
1: a, so perfect.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the internet. It's really frustrating. Adopted people
3: are four times more likely to commit suicide than anyone else. Oh, Jesus,
0: you guys, you <laughs> got I got the stats,
1: that. girl. I need to get to your that's,
3: yeah. yeah, that's an stat. <laughs> Yeah, the
1: stats.
2: My my adopted mother is actually she's in AA for many years. So she like I I my reasons for not drinking are, are different, but um.
1: Uh, you know I of course she is I mean but, uh, my birth mom is uh or, or your adopted mom I see what you're saying no um big question for you so who are you, are you going to uh, Morgan are you going to move to find a solution for your father because once again like you said you know
3: Mm. you don't know
1: what's going to happen tomorrow if i were you and you and you're connected to him because he's your father and you know he would want to know so if she's not going to you need to yeah make yourself know because that's the thing we do i did that when i first Mm. other long story about first time that i saw my father and he didn't even know i knew who he was he didn't know who i was blah 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 his wife was there kids and i was like you know what i'm not gonna i don't know but they know i'm going to step back i don't want to make a scene i don't want to do anything and it was not till two years later that i met him and i told him he goes why didn't you walk up to me i said because i don't want to you know i don't want to be a burden i don't want to do the. Thing i don't want to intrude do that we don't want to intrude all that yeah. stuff and here it is our family Miracle
2: who are intruding like that's that's the the mentality it just does it makes sense to me because i i feel it and i live it but at the same time like if you think about it it makes no sense why are we the burden why are we the ones who are intruding on somebody else's life like
1: you had a child because we're (laughs) hidden because you know why because we're hidden and there's a shame about it
2: yeah we're hiding hiding
1: the shame yeah
2: right because especially you know in my situation like it was out of wedlock it was not you know it was
1: a no it's It's like you're looking at it going "Uh uh-huh I got you that's cool but guess what that's not a reality yeah well yeah I mean yeah and (laughs)
3: it it reminds me too of what part of your story that you you know you said that you're always because I have this curiosity around your story and your father like you were saying you know you're always like thinking about like your adoptive mother, th- you know, thinking about others first, and I hear that in your story around your father of thinking of like, oh, what if it's gonna hurt his life? And da da da. But then, what is it that you actually want? Like, what you know, yes. just outside good
1: of good outside of
3: all the shame outside of all that, like, what do you want? What do
1: you want? I know we're both it's like, what do you it? want? <laughs> I you know it. that's
3: the problem. Like, I,
2: I yes, I I truthfully believe that he should know. That's I think that for his sake, he should know. For me. I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) I think me, you know, reaching out to my birth mother and liking her post as a way of like, you know, slipping it in under the radar, not having to actually make the decision, but having the decision made for me in a way, you know, I think that, I don't know. I think that was my subconscious telling me what I wanted that I, I needed to reach out to her and, you know, I I I would like to to meet her or even her family members. She has family members in, in California. She's in in actually in Maine um, and wanted to come visit, but you couldn't because of everything.
1: You know, really um, quickly, I just just had just 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 so I don't this is very important. There's something very interesting happening here on the other side too, of your being not recognized and kind of snowed under and everything's okay, because the family we look alike, and there's all that stuff. So it's kind of here, but I'm not okay and then your birth mother tells you the story about the angel and it's okay that she told me to have you and then to give you up dude that's the same story it's the story of like wait a minute hold up hold up hold up it's being kind of snowed under that it's okay do you know what I mean It's really the same. It's like on either side, I'm going, that's very interesting.
2: You're
1: getting that on both sides and it doesn't make you feel like very, it's like, hold up, hold up because no, the biology, the nature never does that. That is a conscious thing that is subconscious mind or or a conscious mind thing, but that nature part, no, that is not what's happening. And it's another part of you actually being hidden under even on the bio biology side, which is highly interesting. It, to watch, it is to watch really for. interesting,
2: and it. Um, I actually I have a small story of. Um, I work at a school, and we do a lot of inclusivity and equity work, which is um, just making sure that we are more conscious of inclusion on a school campus. And so sometimes we have speakers. So this one woman came to speak, and this is, you know, over a year ago, she came to speak at our school about inclusivity and equity. And her story was, she's an Asian woman who was adopted into a white family. And they basically did that, you know, but no, but you're ours, no, but you're ours. Right. And kind of glazing over the fact that she was of Asian descent and not you know n- basically not giving light to that part of her identity so she had to do a lot of identity work and really you know strengthen strengthening that and that for me really spoke to me and I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to reach out and why I did a lot of this work too is because it, it spoke to a part of me that realized like you know I might not be of a different descent from my family but I went through the process of It, uh, you are my daughter, you are my daughter, you are my daughter, but no, but I'm not though. So that's very big in the Jewish thing.
1: That's very big in the Jewish thing because I remember you said you Jewish and I had the Jewish thing and I had the same thing. It's like, I'm like, guys, clearly, it's like, no, no. And there was an adopted Jewish family who was friends with my family who adopted other kids who were Asian and they brought them up fully Jewish and they bought misfit (laughs) and bar mitzvah. And it was so hilarious because. They were so not Jewish, and they kept going, no, but you're, no, but you're, no, and it was like, but wait a minute, you're not recognizing. You're just not. Like, what is with that? I, I had a lot of that going on. There's a whole thing with that.
2: And people ask me, like, you know, about my heritage or whatnot, and, you know, because I, I say that I'm Jewish, because, you know, for me, I am. That's how I was brought up. That's a lot of, you know, the cultural, you know, culturally, I feel Jewish, and, but I have to preface it with, you know, but I'm not blood Jewish. <laughs> I, it's not, I'm not blood Jewish. I was adopted. I, you know, my uh, b- b- birth parents are, were not Jewish. So, you know, I don't have that. What is your race lineage? Not Jewish. What? What's your, what's your lineage? Uh, bio lineage? Yeah. Um, I asked recently, I don't, I don't think I, I don't know from uh, the father's side, but she said that she's... From oh Mayflower, Maine, like oh yeah, yeah. All came over in the Mayflower, and also um, Scottish by way of Canada, so mm, like just say, very yeah. the, all, the whitest people on the planet. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, Scottish,
1: Scots, are Scots are great indigenous people. You know, oh, Scots yeah, Phoenix is just and...
0: saying that because she loves a good Scottish kilt. I love a kilt. <laughs>
1: I love a kilt, the man. I do. I do love a kilt. I mean, seriously. Um, what can I say? I do. I do. I'm, and I was a Viking in past lives many times, so I'm like all all oh, up in that. Oh, I can see that.
3: that. Totally. Yeah. <sighs> So I, I would like to just, th- and, you know, we might need to like have a whole nother thing to um, d- discuss this, but I want to throw it out because it just keeps coming up for me. And it's something that, that has been circling back around um, in, in me and in my life of just that adoption as a um, kind of micro expression of the macro of our relationship with the earth as human beings and earth as mother and being so disconnected from the mother like
0: mm-hmm.
3: literally like it you know i have yeah. to so, me it feels like that we uh human beings have um some level of trauma and maybe not all you know i don't i don't think this is as prevalent in um indigenous peoples but um and there's like theories around it there's like books about um i think it's called like the ice age man or something like there's theories about um that it was actually like um some of the white quote-unquote white peoples who had a trauma who had some kind of trauma in the ice age and it's been being passed down and down and down where it's like this disconnection from the mother it's just disconnection from the earth and and I really feel that of uh, as like our our journey to in ourselves as adoptees to like come not only back to like the mother, but come to our own essence and like remember, remember who it is that we are underneath the trauma and underneath all of the different layers that come with being adopted and that we have like we have an impetus to do like we have to do that work or it'll kill us <laughs> literally like we were talking about, you know, like. Adoptees are more likely to four times more likely to commit suicide. And, and so there's like this work of like really, really like coming into our own essence and having to like reconnect to our roots. And I feel like that's that's the work of humanity right now as well, of like needing to come back to the mother needing to reconnect to the roots and that, you know, this is, this is the work that we're doing. And it's, it's just such a mirror to me of what, what is needed in for us to survive and evolve. And you, you were even talking about like, Sarah, you were talking about like, Hey, if we don't, if I don't deal with this, it's going to come into my body as a disease and like humanity, we're already there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're so right about that is so, so right. I'm, I'm actually, it's so spot on. It is an absolute mirror. And we actually hold some of the keys because we hold keys are our because uh, everybody goes for abandonments, you know, whether you know death, it, uh, death relationships, uh, whatever it is, incubators, like we're all going through this um, disconnection, trauma, this abandonment. It just depends on what stage in life we decide to go through. Is it gonna be right away, right at birth? You know, is it gonna be a little later I'm Like what is where's it gonna be? And The earth, we have literally been, humanity has been hijacked and has been taken, kidnapped and disconnected to the memory that it is the earth, that we are nature. We have been co-opted to believe. I talk about this a lot. There's a meditation getting up and getting ready to record for Earth Day that has all to do with this. And we have lost our ability to remember the mother and we're dying because of it. We're literally dying because of it. And because for years, and we're talking hundreds and thousands of years, and where that, what you're talking about, that ice age, and where that's really coming down from, how how old that is, and how 300,000 years ago, there is a story about the disconnection. And it's lived with us ever since. And this is why all the things that are happening on planet are happening now, down to the fact that we can abuse the children the way that we're doing, is because we have lost. Because you never, if you had the connection with mother, none of that would be happening right now none of that. And it is at the highest level. It's crime, crime level, and it has to be healed.
2: That actually reminds me a little bit of a thought I had the other day um, of how, you know, being adopted and being thrown into an environment that you're sort of on the outside of and feeling an outsider and growing up in that environment. It's a little bit easier for us to Mm -hmm. step outside of Of society and be able to be an outsider to the norm and societal norms and the thing, you know, being a part of the herd that is right now, you know, we are able to look at it from a different perspective because we're used to being outsiders. We're used to feeling like, you know, we're not part of the mix. So we, it's like we just pop out real real easy
1: (laughs) yeah and we have that's why i say we have keys we actually have keys right now because when you feel outside the outside because some of us can just feel outside because it's like we don't agree with political views or issues or uh, all of the stuff and religions and you just normally feel outside when you're in a family but when you're not you're like outside outside so you have several layers but these layers like again i was saying in the very beginning we have keys and we have a lot of healing not just for us and each other, the way we're doing here, but for other people, because we can navigate things where other people really just don't know because they haven't experienced this level of separation.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that that leads to like one of the keys, like the adaptive qualities. I remember I was talking once with, I told someone I was adopted and she was going through some kind of um, like psychology program around like a prenatal and postnatal and birth and all of that. And and they had been studying adoption and like some of the things that happen and like how your brain has to adapt. Like our brains are literally wired in different ways because like, even like with my um, birth mother, she spoke Spanish. She didn't speak any English. And so mm. my brain was prepared to learn a whole different language. Yeah. Like I, my brain literally had to adapt to learn a language that I had, that I hadn't had um, mm-hmm. That nine months that other people have to get used to a language, like that foundation wasn't there. My brain had to like create that, and like we have all of these like adaptive capacities, and you know, and some of them now as we're older, like they're they're more destructive <laughs> than adaptive. Um, but if we can be conscious about it and realize, okay, that had a use, and then put it away when it's not needed. You know, now that we're older, we, we don't need to fawn and adapt in those ways to survive, but we have it as a tool of like, sometimes that shit is needed. Like sometimes we need yeah. to build a bridge or sometimes like, and, yeah. and we have tools that, um, that not they every superpowers They have. Yeah. Cause they haven't had have superpowers. They
1: We do. We have superpowers, damn it. (laughs) We got you. We got you. (laughs) Yeah, it's a t shirt. I'm adopted. I have superpowers, bitches. Oh, um, i have to go my loves yeah, oh, like, no. yeah. yeah. I, I, i'm like we could do another whole thing but i, I can uh, do another whole yeah. in, <laughs> in town.
0: can i can i ask you guys as a real quick closer because you know phoenix i like to do my closing questions so i have a closer question <laughs> to wrap this session up closed and open adoptions do you have any do you, do you do you agree with with having closed adoptions do you agree with having open adoptions
3: I think closed adoptions are uh, should be illegal. Yeah, I think they should only be open that uh, children need access even, yeah, they need some kind of access to biological residents. I think that's such an important part of being a human being, just like on that primal level of like, even what Phoenix was saying of like, even just getting that smell and like, and I've talked to other adoptees who have um, gone through reunification and like, they're like, oh, wow, all of the su- sudden like i like i landed in myself in a way that yes, i never had before exactly. and like that's that's mm-hmm. that's a crime to take away from any being and yeah, yeah. and yeah. so i i think open adoptions only yeah
0: yeah everyone concurs morgan yeah
3: Um, I actually, uh,
2: I'm willing to change my opinion because this is, I'm realizing it's something that I, um, believed growing up and, you know, having, I, um, in school, in elementary school, there was a friend that, uh, was also adopted and she had continual contact with her birth mom, who was, you know, a really young girl. And, you know, I, I thought it was strange. And I thought it was a bit confusing for a child, you know, continually having contact with this person who's your mother, but that's not your mother. You're over here with your family, but then you go and have playdates with your mom. Like, I thought it was extremely confusing for a child to, you know, not understand where her, you know, parenting comes from, you know, just... Under the surface, I I agree that it's, it's important for us to have those biological connections. So I'm, you know, I, I, you know, maybe if it was done in a different way than this girl experienced, that it could be more meaningful for the child and if it was more um, mindfully Executed, but I mean, this girl was she was clearly confused. You know, she had this like large family that she lived with. She was the youngest. She looked nothing like them. But then she went off and spent time with her birth mother. It just it felt really, at least from my perspective, uncomfortable because I, you know, at the time as a child, like I knew who my family was. I knew who my parenting was. I knew. You know, and yes, I had this other person, but I mean, that, that also goes back to just sweeping it under the rug, but you know, it, it's not as confusing for a young mind to understand, like, these are my parents, this is not, you know, so I don't know. That was my perspective of, you know, I, I think I, you know, it was less confusing for me to only have one parent group
0: instead of both. The confusion um phoenix yeah, makes I, that, yeah I, I think that on that um, one and then we'll we'll close it out for you so you can you can venture on and i need to yeah i think bring that um up.
1: how about just don't give up your kids <laughs> and then you won't have to go through this, this question your closer sarah really you're gonna close us out with this um
2: Be mindful then, I, I,
1: what you're doing it's, it's, right because because it, like, it's really both because the thing is it's really both it's going to be the to timing on that. I think open adoptions because you need to have the openness and tell your kids actually yes when you know when it's appropriate. Obviously, what's happening and be open with them. That's always going to be awkward. I agree for sure. Uh, the confusion, especially at a young age, because it's like okay, well, it, it can be very confusing. Um, but at the same time, you you need to know. So I'm going to be on that leaper side uh, of it and I, you you all are in the same as me. Uh, this is just a fuller conversation because we're all going to be saying the same thing, which is, mm-hmm. it's obviously the timing. You don't want to have it closed because you want to have it open, but you don't want to have it haphazardly open. So it's confusing yeah. because that sounds like it's very confusing. And how do you make sense? Once again, that's why I was like, just don't give up your kids because well, how do you make something solid that is confusing in the first place? Because you can't. So the open close, it's kind of like, there is really no real answer that on it just to be honest I'm and I'm sure case by case it it Say again, you, you know, know
2: I think it varies case by case
1: and it does vary you know? case by case but for sure absolutely and that's why it is it's like it, everything nothing is the same here nothing can be textbooked really in terms of the individual but what can be textbook is the feeling that we have you know the yeah. the abandonment and, yeah. and that's the thing but then navigating it each case is different
3: yeah. So one story so short. It, it, oh, sorry, I was gonna say I think it would also require us to change the narrative around adoption. Of mm-hmm. part of probably why that was confusing is you know there, she's told like, oh this is your family, but also this is your mother. And there's a whole thing around adoption where a lot of a lot of people are adopting a child because they've had some kind of trauma around not being able to have their own children, sure. and oh, so there's a whole other layer of like story that's built so they don't have to deal with their trauma of like oh no you're my child and and that and we would have to like get really nuanced with the actual reality of the story of like we weren't able to have children and so and your mother wasn't able to raise you as her own and so we're going to act as your parents but we're not actually your biological parents but that's not the adopt adopt most adopters do not want, no. they want the story of that you're their child. And so they would have to give up that story. And then whatever trauma that the the biological family has around having given up a child, they would have to give up whatever stories they have around that trauma and actually be really fucking honest that, about what is happening.
1: That is the best, best, Absolutely. best thing ever. The best thing because that was, that is so true. You know what there is involved in, there's an ownership Because when you're naturally your parents' kids, because I've seen it, they're just like, oh, they're my kids. They don't have that ownership piece. Oh, no, they're mine. Because they're trying to overcompensate for the fact that there was a trauma that they couldn't have kids. My parents did this. It was just incessant. I couldn't figure it out for years. Come to find out my mom couldn't have kids. She tried over and over again. She gave up. And they're like, well, maybe we should adopt. And then when they adopt, well, but when we can't get the white kids, okay, well, then we'll get the less desirable kids. Okay. Then there's that. And they settled, but their ownership was so huge. But it was like, my mom was trying to overcome the uh, flip, actually snow under the fact that she felt so bad. And she had so much shame about not being able to have her own kids. So when she got, she goes, Oh, I never thought of you once. I never thought of your skin color again. And I never thought that you were, I don't even remember that you're adopted. I'm like, Mom, stop it. Just stop it, like, yeah. really. Do you know what I mean? But it was that, it's what you're saying is that ownership and their lack of, of being, it's like, because they have like a chip on their shoulder that they, they did it and then it's like, now we own you, That you're ours, you're just ours, you're ours. And as opposed to naturally being like, yeah, those are my kids. Because when you naturally do, you're like, oh yeah, those are my kids. You don't have that chip because they're your kids. And that's how you know they're your kids because why, it's like you, you protest, doth protest greatly. <laughs> Why are you protesting so much? What's the protest? There's something's not right here. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this is beautiful. I think, you know, we we could we could venture off for a while and come back and and see where you guys are all at in, you know, in a little bit and dig back in. And um, because I feel like we just peeled off a whole other layer that could go on for another hour of like digging into. Um, but we don't have that kind of time. And so I just thank you all for really for taking the time and being here and being so open to jumping on board because I think despite the uh, sorry for the uh, the the Wi-Fi connection issues it's going to be <laughs> slightly choppy, um, but this was really powerful and and I would love to peel the onion further down the road of everyone's continual journeys and healings and, and what you discover and. And taking these new thought processes and mulling them over, and maybe getting other downloads and other things that come out of it, I think um, it is just kind of like a, a a starter, a starter session to to it. And yeah, and even the bigger aspect of of connecting back to the mother. We all are, you know, so detached from the the mother of all mothers, Mother Gaia. You know. Um, and, and as humanity coming back into this piece as we continue through this collective dark night of the soul and this journey into the fifth dimension and our new earth and, and, and you know all of us, even what I'm just getting is, is finding our mothers to ourself within. And I know Phoenix and I journeyed with that together as well and, and honing that and that being the mother and, and putting our hands in the soil and, and honoring the mother of all mothers or otherwise none of us would exist even the mothers that have birthed us so thank you and I love you all and I will see and talk with every single one of you very soon Thank have you. have a wonderful night
1: thank you Sarah thank you so much for having us thank you beauties bye. thank you bye
0: bye